0: Loom Memory Fragments Warp Time Weft Shadow 995 Years After the Cipher War When they finally find Shalott at Bite Me, collapsed into a corner booth, cream whiskey drool crusted on her face, sticky circle imprints all over the table as a testament to the glasses of Alk, that have been there and gone. She's barely able to speak, let alone stop them. Tall, lavender-skinned Vander, in famid form and she-pronouns that day, with a black corset, PVC tights, leather boots, and a long, dark trench coat, is the one trying to gently soothe Shalot, while Binks attempts to shut down the echo signatures and mini-wallfire encrypted into Shalot's belt. Binks, in plump, Anginid form and they-pronouns, Wearing a golden dress and hot pink sneakers to go with a soft magenta peach fuzz of facial hair and worried fuchsia eyes, is pressing unseen buttons and singing sigil code under their breath. Binx's blue skin is flushed cobalt bright with stress perspiration, but they manage to switch off the calm link block. My lady, Blue's voice cries relief, sobbing in Shell's mind. Thank the Averona we found you. It's been three days. I've managed to keep your body back at the tower hydrated to a certain extent, but you need to sleep and eat or you will perish. My lady, please. Fuck you, Blue. Charlotte Rasp croaks, cradled in Vander's arms, while the fairy's long, dark chartreuse hair gently brushes against Shell's face. Fuck you too, Binks. Vander, you all should have left me alone. I was doing fine here. Frag shit, Vander mutters. Shallot, this is really bad, Binks pleads. Like you might die bad. Like there have been brutal record breaking virus hits bad, like the Fairy High Council summoned you bad. I think we get it, Binks, Vander interrupts. Shallot, get yourself together. We wouldn't have put the comlink back without a good reason. Blue found a way to communicate with us and explain the crisis situation with you and with this new virus. A lot more people are going to die, not just you, if you don't do your fucking job. So get the fuck offline and recharge that sweet brown ass of yours. Just fucking do it then, Blue. Shal sneers. Not like it matters. Shal fades offline, but not without throwing in some obscene gestures towards her best friends. Back in the tower... Trying to crack, push apart her eyelids, makes the searing light a blue screen cut into her mind. And she has enough strength to pull the jack painfully out of her neck before she, too, flips a rude sign at blue and promptly and finally lies still on her filthy chrome colored bed, losing consciousness at last. There have been two recorded deaths so far in the last 74 hours, both in mirrored of high-ranking she. Information on both cases have already been uploaded to Blue, who can fill you in extensively on the two deceased fairy. Of note is that there were no visual sightings of Vira in the area or homes of the deceased, and there were no signs of struggle. The first victim died in a sleep and the second at a hair salon. However, they died the way other victims of virus attacks do. Through Ava disintegration into Sigil Code. The Wild Hunt have attested to that. This is an extremely sensitive matter. We don't want this getting out to the general public and inciting rumors of the Dusk Return. If you can handle this quickly and quietly, we would appreciate that. Is that understood, Shalott? A strained silence fills the Indigo meeting chamber of the Central Court Palace, a triangular room where the Fairy High Council, minus the Averona, were seated on a raised dais all along one wall, while Shalot, the weaver, reclines in the transparent supplicant's booth at the tip of the triangle, right in front of the entranceway. She leans against one of the clear walls of the booth, arms and legs crossed, wearing a frayed black T-shirt and shorts and old combat boots with untied purple laces. Her head of violet curls slumps down onto her chest. The silver-skinned, white-bearded fairy who had been speaking... High barred Merle clears his throat loudly, but still no response. <clears throat> She's asleep, Tally, an angined Bard snorts, trying to hold in laughter. Their skin slowly shifts every ten clicks or so into a different color, eyes and hair clear and styled to flow like moving water. Fuck off, Tally, shall Growlers, raising her head to reveal her searing dark brown gaze. I ain't sleepin', just resting my eyes so I don't have to keep looking at the lot of you. You have no fucking clue what a rough week I've had. Anyway, Merle, that's it. Two for brains get ruck-plugged and you call down all twelve bards, the whole wild hunt, and even the green fucking one for this. Just to threaten me not to make a dusk-damn scene. I'm surprised you didn't bring in the human delegation some Averona muscle to try and get me to wet my little panties. If I wore any. We are at war with Averona, Merle snaps icily, and this is a fair internal affairs matter of no concern to the round table, or have you forgotten all of this during your latest booze binge? Oh, calling me a drunk again, that hurts so bad, the loom laughs. (laughs) Whatever, disappointed father figure Merle, can I go now? These murders ain't gonna solve themselves. Get out of my sight, Merle began saying, but a voice boomed, wait. The green one stands, floats forwards, called so because there is no discernible shape or limbs or id. Z is a mass of faceless green shimmering sigil code in the shape of foliage and flora. The green one unfurls one long vine, extending it down towards Shalott, phasing through the walls of the booth shall take something from the vine arm and nods towards only she can hear. Whether it's from blue or the green one is unclear. She then fades offline as the length of green quickly retracts back into its mass. Well, that was unsavory, another bard, sand-and-fire-looking Fionn, remarks dryly. Do you really think she's capable of figuring out this crisis? (sighs) She's certainly capable of that, I have no doubt, Merle answers. I helped train her, after all. It's whether she'll actually do it. The sudden and resonant voices of all seven hunters of the Wild Hunt fill the meeting chamber. The loom is breaking. The loom must be renewed soon. Merle shakes his silvery bald head. It's too early. She's not even halfway through her regular life cycle. If she breaks now, that is the last thing we need. With the Exeon following growing by the day, the Averonians breathing down our necks and attacking every human delegation, and whispers of the dusk return causing panic among the people, we cannot lose the loom now. Even if we started to search for a replacement, we wouldn't be able to train it in time. Whatever we decide, the Green One interjects, we must do something, and we must do it Soon. The room is supposedly untouched from when the Wild Hunt had picked up Lord Olive's disintegrated energy spark remains two morning cycles ago, while his maid was opening the curtains to let in the light. He was ancient, at least five hundred years old, maybe older, from a house steeped in brand imperial wealth. The Turnahoyge court mansion he'd lived in, and the room Shaw was inspecting, showed his aging tastes, with patterns of his house's logos and ancient wear beasts that roamed the human world before the cypher war, and endless variations of floral patterns. He also liked iridescent color schemes. The whole place looked glimmer white in one angle and then flicker-sheened into aged jade and pale rose with a slight movement. Shell crawls all over the bedroom, face pressed up against the plush carpet, the crystalline thread from her back carefully spooling out of her marked hat, phasing through her clothing to wrap around each post of the four-poster bed, lifting it into the air so she could check under it thoroughly. The household staff stood by the doorway, slack-jawed gasping. Nothing shall sighs, giving up at last and putting the bed down, thread retreating into her back, Not even a pixel-sized virus shit-stain. She questions the household staff one by one, but none of them know anything, saw anything. Lord Olive's life was sedentary at this point. He followed the same routine like night follows day. Had no outstanding enemies beside the usual inter-house-she political maneuvering. It was possible one of his own had done him in to finally get the mansion and the courts he owned, but which not no stringer kin did it. Shalot had no idea how to begin figuring it out, and the thought of visiting each of these privileged shits to question them made her want to shatter herself with her own thread. The second murder scene is more promising to her. The high-end hair salon ten blocks down from Lord Olive's place where Tanya got all Ford. Shell remembers her as the heartless little number who had been disgraced during the prank Shell, Vander, and Binks had pulled earlier in the year by switching the ports of the high she ball in a strip club, with attendees of the former ending up in the latter. Unsealed fairy had partied at the Kanakma Palace while watching Tanya cry in a jumbo screen. Blue had set up. It was a rare happy memory. Tanya had never recovered from the whole debacle. Witness and best friend Craze explains to Shell. Lucrez had been waiting at the salon for the weaver with the other witnesses to Tanya's death. Shell had given Blue instructions to gather all the witnesses in one place to speed up the investigation. The witnesses, besides Lucrez, were a couple of clients that had been getting hairstyles and the four stylists that had been working that day. All of them reported the same thing. Tanya had been passive-aggressively insulting her stylist to craze, complaining that the color her hair had been changed to disagreed with her lemon-yellow skin tone when she suddenly paused, wide-eyed. Then she began to dissolve fracture soundlessly, violet-yellow energy spark coalescing into a pulsing ball. The wild hunt showed up, wrecking hair and mid-cut, gathering the spark frag, and rode off. Afterwards, shall sent all the witnesses home except Lucrez, asking her questions about Tanya's state of mind leading up to her death while the two of them stood in the dark and temporarily closed salon. What do you mean she never recovered from the high she ball prank? shall asks Lucrez. She stopped trying to go to balls and instead dragged me to shitty farm-soaked parties. I mean, I normally would have welcomed a scene change from those borefuck balls, but these shindigs Tanya went to were filled with farms I'd never heard of before. Grabby high fuckers and terrible conversation. They wouldn't even let me read my book in peace. Shao blinks. You read books? She inspected the fairy woman before her a little closer. Short, asymmetrical hair, black and lapis lazuli striped, curvy teal flesh and citrine amber eyes, all covered in a modest for she standards black dress. Shell's fave shade. Lucre's blushes. I know, it's so history, hipster. I could just watch a Hollow movie or upload the info, but it was a habit I picked up from my brother Iola when he was in the Bard Academy. He'd bring these books home to show off how old and fragric they seemed to him, but I ended up just loving them and collecting them. I even figured out how to prog hollow movies into books so I can bring them with me when I go out. Um, I can show you if you want. Shal is reminded of another fairy that got close to her and loved shit like this, and a pang spreads from her chest and radiates up to her face, the pain look making Lucre's trail off uncertainly. S- sorry, I'm being a boarfuck again. Lucre's stammer mumbles, looking away and backing up instinctively. Tanya was always the interesting one. No, she was not. The vehemence in Shell's voice made Lucre's glance up in surprise, and she startles when Shell grabs her hand and pulls her closer. She was not Lucre's, and we both know it. I may not look like the detective type, but I've learned a few things about fairy behavior from my bud Vander. And you, you're not like Tanya. You hung around her because she offered shelter from other dust-damned, power-hungry debutantes, and Tanya found your awkwardness non-threatening. It was a friendship of convenience. You made her look good. She kept you safe. You're relieved she's dead because maybe you can finally be who you were meant to be, but you're still afraid there's no place for you outside of this endless she-frill fuckery you're surrounded with. I got news for you. There is a place for you out there. You don't belong this fucking court surrounded by these fucking assholes. It's Shal's turn to be caught off guard. As soon as she finishes ranting, Lucrez grabs her face and kisses her, making shall trip backwards and fall to the ground. For a nano-click, Shal thinks about stopping her, about running far away from her. But she can't. Her libido kicks in, her never-ending hunger for closeness, contact, connection. "'She is rolling lucrece on her back, straddling her, pinning her hands over her head "'and suckling, kissing lucrece's smooth, teal neck. "'The fairy's moans grow louder "'as Shal's knee grinds between her legs, "'hiking up that black dress "'to expose electric violet panties. "'Another fave color of Shal's. lucrece stares up through lidded eyes "'that shine gold with lust, "'biting a plump teal lip shyly "'as Shal kneels between the fairy's legs.' After sliding off those favored panties, she cups Lucrezia's ass and pulls it up towards Shal's face, lapping her up greedily. Lucrezia's moans ricochet off the walls of the hair salon. They're fucking unseen by the shoppers walking by the front window. Please, please, fuck me, please. Lucrezia babbles deliriously, teal gold sparks streaming out of her as she comes from Shal's oral finesse. With your fingers with a cock, I don't give a shit, please. Sliding her shorts off, she'll fingers her own clit, crooning her favorite sigil code song to make grow long and thick, something she can wrap her fingers around. As she lines up her clit cock to Luke Craze's opening, she pauses and asks seriously, Are you sure? Fuck me! Lucrez cries, and Shell pushes the head of her shaft in, immediately feeling Lucrez's cunt shuddering around it. Another orgasm brightening the salon's interior with amber, green, blue flares, making it obvious now to any passersby that fairy were having sex inside. You're so fucking tight, Shell groans between thrusts. Does this hurt? Fuck me harder, Stringer. Lucrez growls, and Shell laughs thread erupting from her back to loop around wrists, ankles, waist, suspending Lucrez in the air. Shell kneels and grabs Lucrez by the hips ramming into her while they start scream-grunting together. The thread moves Lucrez into different positions, ass up, face down, upright and facing shall knees up and facing away. Every five to ten clicks, the whole place surges with spark spunk and citrine-tail bursts as Lucrez multi-orgasm spasms. "'I want you to come in my mouth,' she gasps, feeling Shell growing inside her. "'I want to taste you.' "'Hope you like cream whiskey,' Shell moans, pulling out and springing to her feet as the thread brings Lucrez to her knees in front of her. Lucrez sucks Shal's cock into her throat, and the weaver's cries almost shake the walls as she pumps jizz between the fairy girl's lips, a ball of violet fire haloing the two as Shell's spark discharge lights up the room for several clicks.' Gobs of electric violet spill down Lucrezia's chin, dripping on her dress. The two lie on the floor, wrapped in each other's arms. A shell shaft begins to recede inside her, her shirt and Lucrezia's dress finally thrown off to increase skin contact. You really do taste like cream whiskey, Lucrezia says wonderingly, licking her lips. Bardass. Trust me, I'm a frag wreck, Shell snorts. A frag book. I'd still like to read cover to cover, Lucrece states firmly, her fingers trailing over Shal's brown, portly curves. Shell changes the subject. You know any farm parties coming up? I'm thinking of crashing one, see if I can get a lead on who or what killed Tanya. I've got a better idea, Lucrece suggests, citrine amber eyes sparkling. Would you do me the honor of being my date into a den of drugs and villainy? In a typically abandoned warehouse in some slum court was where the port coordinates took Lucrez and Shall, still dressed from their clothes earlier in the day, stinking of sex. The power dynamics of the party became apparent, with richly dressed she-youth being pent up against walls or groped on couches by smirking unsealed bardasses. Slum and fuck-fest, mutters and side-eyes Lucrez. Is that why you brought me? Lucrez blushes, her cheeks becoming a darker teal. Well, I already fucked you, didn't I? I invited you because I wanted to see you work, maybe rough up some shit stains. You really hate these people, don't you? Let me put it this way. Each of these she arseholes would bring an unsealed to come slum with, but Tenya brought me to look risky sleek. I just want to see what's coming to them. Well, I'll see what I can do. Point me to the farm frags. Shal and Lucre sit themselves on some threadbare stained decaying couches set up in a loose circle. There are two malad she-in top coat, knee-high patent leather boots, and ruffled dress shirts sitting with green angidids. One of the green fairy has three arms, three breasts, two legs, and a torso. Their entire body a shifting landscape of aubergine and apricot fractals. The second green fairy looks like they were made of cloth Patches of corduroy, velvet, satin, lace, and silk. Long yarn hair flows across their shoulders, eyes like buttons. "'I can never be a warrior,' the burly, mahogany-colored she was saying to the other. "'Can you imagine, Padraig, just your life ending through another's force?' Padraig, the yellow-green she, with a narrow face and thin shoulders, rolls his dark blue eyes. "'You also have no skill at being a warrior anyway, Mao. Face it, what you're afraid of is not having the control. It's not death you dislike.' "'Well, are we living forever is boring as shit "'when you've seen it all before. "'Mid's beard's scare was going on "'about how he'd like to go when he's 200 years, "'maybe 500. "'There's enough fascinating things to do. Two hundred, Padraig? "'I can barely find a reason to be alive for tomorrow, "'let alone for another here. "'Let alone for another 200 of them. "'Me, I just want the thrill of not knowing "'if it'll be my last day or my 300th.' See, I had a green friend who had access to all these banned files, and Padraig's voice drops to a theatrical whisper. They showed me Sorcerer X's writings, and he wrote about how we fairy don't have these things called souls, and it's the soul that give humans mortality, make them live each moment to the max. I just want to know how that feels like. Mao slaps Padraig on the back. That's why I'm going to plug you into my soul dealer. You're ready to give up some spark. No fucking way. <laughs> Shal snorts, interrupting. There's no such thing as souls, let alone some ass face that deals them out like farms. Mouse sneers. I'm surprised riffraff like you don't know the latest feed from the deep dark. Shalot grins. That's the typical she for brains back talk I'm used to. She slowly gets up, cracking her knuckles and stretching out her neck. I'm so gonna enjoy this workout. Wait, wait, wait! Padraig is now also standing, arms outstretched. Look, we're not looking for a fight. Really? Because he sounds like he wants to fucking die today, and I can try to oblige him. Mal scoffs. Typical unsealed nonsense. I was talking about mortality through the so farm. Shut the fuck up, Mal! Padraig snarls. I'm trying to save your ass! Shell clears her throat. Ahem. If these soul farmers are real, I want to be plugged in. Sure, sure, we'll hook you up! Padraig simpers. Mal, give her the name and the location, Okay? Why the fuck? Shell leaps the short distance between them, causing the green fairy who were sitting on the couch to squeal and poured away instantly, leaving Mal gasping for breath as shall straddles him, fingers wrapped around his neck. "'The thing they don't tell you, rich fucks, about death,' shall continues pleasantly, as if her arm muscles weren't bulging in a stranglehold, ignoring Mal's feeble attempts to pry her loose or shove her off, is that some forms are very, very painful. "'His name is Nurb!' Padre cries out. "'Just let Mal go! He'll tell you where Nurb is!' You gonna tell me where your dealer is, Mel? A barely perceptible nod from the mahogany fairy, because I'm gonna keep my hands on your throat. So think real careful about what you're gonna say next, stringer. Fuck shit, damn, that was awesome. Lucrez crows as she and Shal walk away from the two. She towards one of the exits. I nearly came just watching you. You gonna rough up Nurb too? Ooh, this is gonna be so hot. Shal's voice came out flat. Lucrez, you're not coming with me. Oh, okay, I... I... Lucrez falters. This is it, isn't it? I give you my virginity. We have a nice time and I never see you again. Shell stops in front of the port, raking her hands through her curly violet hair. Green one's fucking face. A virgin. What is it with dust down? Virgins. Lucrez. I didn't. I mean, I don't regret it. It's just. I'm damaged goods, Lucrez. I'm a fragric. i not the kind you want to read unless you want to get damaged too in the process. I'm not a person. I'm the loom. I'm a fucking weapon. I don't believe that shit. You don't believe that shit. How can you? So you're the loom. So what? A weapon doesn't make me laugh or make me come so hard or take my hand so tenderly or hold me while I vent. But you do, shall? I get it. This is dangerous work. I'm not totally naive. You don't want to see me get hurt and you're tired of getting hurt too. I can see that. I can also see how lonely you are, shall? So consider this. When you're ever done playing hero, when you ever have breaks from being a bardass, Come find me. I swear by Mird's beard, I can be someone you can come home to. Shalott kisses Lucrez tenderly and then touches the port, walking through. But Lucrez can still hear her parting words as she goes. That's what they all say, until my curse makes them forget or die. Nurb didn't know what was happening until it was far too late. By then, Shal had already crashed through his window, thread striking at the wide-eyed, hunched-over fairy that was whacking off to hollow porn. The transparent, rainbow-sheened, ribbon-like appendages coiled around the pale blue-violet fairy. till all that could be seen of him was his socked feet and his thrashing, shaggy head of celadon jade-green hair atop a screaming mouth. Shal pulls his entire body towards her, while she crouches in his window frame, her dark brown eyes blazing into his terrified green ones, shushing him. Let's make this quick, frag scum. I'm in a real shit mood and I want to be home for dinner. I know you're the sole dealer. Tell me how you make the farms, what they do, everything. Or are you going to know mortality suddenly and very intimately? Nurb starts babbling immediately, frantic sob hysterics. I I was banned from the green. My whole sigil code, they kicked me out. I I wanted to get back in. I I met a guy in mirrored with an Ava made of shadows. He promised me he could make me permanently mortal, change my sigil code so I could get around the ban. All I had to do was be his runner. I, I ain't actually the dealer. I just give out the farms. I swear, please don't, don't. He starts to disintegrate in Shell's hold and she quickly retracts her thread back into herself, disgusted that she's touching him, horrified helpless as he soundlessly gapes at her dying dissolving gone it's not long before the wild hunt show up descending passing through the ceiling gathering the celadon blue violet spark globe in their limbs another death, another death they say in unison have you found the source Shalot grimaces i thought he was the source i've got one more lead though time to visit an old friend Chow's sigil slams into a green chatroom-slash-bar, scanning the twittering crowds of anginid Ava's and cut-edged looks to find the goggle-eyed, wire-haired bardash she needed. Bereft of fucks, she shoots out her thread, using them to slam into the ground beneath her so she could propel herself through the room and crash onto a table of drink-carousing green fairy. Most of them knew instantly who and what she was, scattering even before she growls, Quit the fuck out of here, you flaming trash piles. The only one who stays bears his teeth in a chrome toothed grimace, her haggard face reflected in his mirrored goggles. Crary, I... No, he says flatly, cutting her off. Whatever it is, no. I'm not doing another dust damn favor for you. If anything, you owe me more than you can actually ever repay. Shell stares in disbelief. 404 what? "'You use people, Shell. You use them and you toss them away. They fade from you, just like the memory of you fades from us when you're offline. I'm not playing this game anymore. Are you—are you rage quitting on me?' Shell whispers, the dangerous low voice preceding a full-out tantrum. "'You don't even know what this is for. It's a mortality farm. People's lives are at stake.' "'People's lives are always at stake. "'You're a fucking weapon. "'That's your fucking function. "'But it doesn't stop them from dying, doesn't? "'Don't. "'It didn't stop Irv from dying. "'Don't!' "'Shrapnel explodes in every direction "'as her thread splinters the table in front of her, "'smashing chairs to pieces, "'while Crary, screen caps still, "'is unmoved and sitting, facing her. "'Don't fucking say his name!' You think just because you met him as a kid and fucked him for a month, you have some sort of claim? Crary continues implacably, his fury a jagged mountain to Shalott's whirling tempest of mad grief. I practically raised that boy from ten years old. I helped take him away from a world where he would have died for certain, where he was mortal. And yet, despite all of my efforts, he's still dead because of you. The entire common room is silent, terror-awed, Crary's words thrown into the loom's face. Many have already started to silently fade Port-Away, but too many were caught in the need to know what the weaver would do next. They would not be disappointed. Shalott's thread spikes out of her back to stab spread throughout the room, though not piercing any one or thing. Then, as if an elastic cord was released, the dozens upon dozens of ribbon-like appendages recoils back, wrapping Shalott's body over again, until nothing could be seen of her, forcing her to port while all that could be heard was enraged, muffled, screaming. As the common area denizens breathe a collective sigh of relief, they return to their previous chats and deals, animated and tense, all except Crary, sitting, still. Blue brings Shal to an empty warehouse that she proceeds to decimate with thread, swear shrieking incoherent the whole time. When she's spent, collapsed heaving, Blue quietly says in her mind, My lady, a green fairy has followed you from the common room. What the fuck do you want? Shal weak rasps from the floor. A mallet figure steps out from the shadows. Steel spikes all over, including his hair, black goggles obscuring his eyes, a pointed, wiry beard off his chin. One of Crary's boys, Shell mutters. Well, if he sent you to apologize for him, tell him he can go get wrecked-plugged. He ain't know I'm here, the green fairy snaps impatiently. He got me into the green, but I ain't no one's boy. Name's Grizz. Back there, you mentioned farms that give mortality, souls. I just heard Nurb got out effing Ford. He must have talked to you and got himself aggroed. He's not the only runner. All of them go to the same place, the same backroom bar, and mirrored. That's where they get the stash to deal. I know the coords. I can take you there." Why the fuck are you helping me? Why should I trust you, no one's boy? Strained silence. My… My girlfriend orders. She's a runner, and I… Ugh. Shell groans loudly to shut him up, pulling herself off the floor. Spare me. I've had enough of feels for one day. Just tell me where the source is. It's the shit bar in Valancourt called Bite Me. Shal's sardonic laughter echoes the shredded warehouse as she ports away. Another trademark entrance. Explosion. Debris. Some screaming, vicious property damage. The back room is demolished. The dealer remains unfazed as if they, like Crary, was prepared for the loom's fury. Shell immediately recognizes the creature with its upright four-limbed single-headed structure, and she pulls out a curling sigil code verdantly from her pocket, slapping it on the supervirus with a snarl as they try to fade out of this court, this world in existence. The green one says, fuck you, by the way, she spits. As the creature snaps back, stuck, locked into place. Nowhere to go, frag scum. I'm going to enjoy ripping you apart slowly for what you did to me, to Irv. The supervirus gargle laughs, hisses.
1: <laughs> if I killed Irv, so did you, mother.
0: I am not your... Shal trails off, remembering the day her predecessor perished, where the old weaver had said similar words. The creature merely continues in Shell's silence.
1: You are the weaver, the maker of the great tapestry. We are the gaps in your thread, the fade fraying patterns.
0: Shell scrutinizes stairs while her thread begins to unravel out of her back, as if summoned upon hearing their name spoken. The thread meticulously starts to wrap the supervirus from the floor upwards.
1: You should try our pills sometimes. You'll find they look familiar.
0: The super-virus tosses some capsules at her feet. One of her thread carefully picks one up and pulls it close to her face. It is a clear pill containing writhing tar-like residue as if plucked from the streets post-battle with the loom. This is the virus scum stains Irv had been collecting, Shell whispers, horrified. The thread is closing in, now covering the chest, now wrapping around the neck.
1: How endlessly naïve. You think the pills are taken from virai? Remember this, mother, and remember it well. For it is the last thing you will get from me before I am destroyed. It had never been the virai residue he was collecting all these years. It is you, mother. It's your essence that destroys. Finally, the thread consumes
0: the entire creature, squeezing and shrinking downwards until it becomes treacherous dark goo ooze. Shao breaks a chair for good measure, but her question to Blue in her mind seems the most calmest that Blue's ever heard her. Is it true? Is what true, my lady? All of it. That I helped create the Viri. That the soul farms were made of my essence. That my essence can make people die. Is it all fucking true? I. I. Blue trails off and says nothing further even when Shao commands him. Fuck this. Shao finally growls, pocketing the pills the supervirus had thrown at her feet. If you're not going to give me any answers, I'm going to find them myself. End of Loom Memory Fragments Warp Time Weft Shadow